Hey everybody, welcome back to Watchworthy. I'm your co-host, Miss Chris D. And it's your boy, Brother Ash. And today we're talking about a 2023 documentary that came out on Netflix. It's titled Stamped from the Beginning. And this is based off of a book, actually. This documentary is based on Dr. Ibram X. Kendi's bestseller um, and award-winning book titled, um, the same title, Stamped from the Beginning. And so this documentary, this book, it really explores the history of racist, anti-black ideas in America. So be warned, y'all. We talking about racism today. Yes, sir. We're not waiting until next month either. So. Yes. Black History Month is in a few weeks. Let's kick it off right we need now. The whole year. We exactly. Need the whole year. <laughs> Man. Uh, Bobby Brown and Whitney style. We need the whole year. And so we're gonna kick things off with this documentary. It features really innovative animation because obviously we're talking about you know, the beginning of slavery from the 1400s. So we don't have videos and photos from that time, but they leaned heavily on animation and they used a lot of like European paintings to show who they were talking about. Um, they even included some TikToks of different Karens that we know from the 2020s. And I love how this documentary was really full of scholars, historians, and activists who look like us um, to tell these stories because I feel like racism and the whole concept of race people just make it up like oh what, whatever like it's black and white no it's really not people made this up to put another group down and luckily we have people who remember this and documented this and so we get all into it in this documentary it's only about 90 minutes so it was a quick one and i came up with this poll question i didn't tell you but <laughs> the like poll it. the poll <laughs> question that i'm asking this week is which racist deserves the biggest ass whooping and we have a few options because this documentary went into everybody from, like I said, the 1400s, like Prince Henry to Thomas Jefferson, Abe Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, everybody who had a hand in perpetuating these stereotypes about black people. Who deserves the biggest ass whooping? I think they all deserve a Mike Tyson level <laughs> ass whooping. <laughs> but I think Prince Henry definitely, I would whip his ass. Yeah. Like the most severely. Yeah, he's really started it all. I would beat the brakes off of Prince Henry, like, because I didn't know what was shared about him in this documentary. So, like, yeah, y'all listen to what we got cooking for y'all, and then y'all let us know who, yeah. who y'all putting the paws on. All right, so we're gonna start out in the fourteen hundreds, like Miss Chris D mentioned. Uh, before slavery, Africans had our own culture, our own tribes, our own you know systems of economies and governments. Right. Um, but, you know, to a Western European slave market was like compromise of their own people during the time. Mm -hmm. So while Africa was already settled and we already had our own way of life over there as a people, different tribes, countries, whatever, um, the slave market was being ran by white people enslaving other white people. Right. So it was more so of a class thing. And no, um, I'm not trying to say that's okay either, but like, if you're going to do something this hateful, do it to your own people. Don't do it to other people. And I think that's where the atrocity of American slavery like kind of boils from. Like when you stop, when you see people who you know nothing about and you're just told your entire life and by everybody that, oh, they're meant for this labor, mm -hmm. then that's when you're allowed to treat them even worse than like cattle are treated sometimes on, on farms and stuff. Yeah. So in night, excuse me, in 1444, the first shipload of 235 captives landed in Portugal. Uh, which was the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah. So this is why, uh, quick little flashback, this is why as, as black people it's important that we all recognize that even though we may come from different parts of the country, a lot of us were displaced, and it was because of this. I've met a lot of black people that said, oh, my people weren't slaves, I'm, you know, my, I'm Spanish on my mom's side, mm -hmm. or I was, you know, my people were Caribbean. That may be true, your family may not have been slaves, but 
during this time, it was much sore, you know, much more of just like enslaving a specific group of people and right. then displacing them throughout the globe. So it's, it's not really productive for us to separate ourselves by that. Yeah, shout so. out to our Latinx community. I know sometimes people be like, I ain't black, I'm Dominican. That's the same thing. Which is dope. Like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? My mother's Dominican, so like I'm like a quarter Dominican. I obviously identify as black, but like I've just never taken that stance or understood why people take that stance. Like, oh, I'm better than you because my ancestors weren't brought from Africa to America and whatever hundreds. Well, we learned um, in this documentary that idea came from the whites telling us that. Yeah, so. yeah. And look, we're going to try to keep it under 30 minutes, but... We have a lot to say. My name is Brother Ash for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I could talk about this stuff all day. I have a whole other podcast called <laughs> Young, Black, and Opinionated. So, so we're going to keep it pushing. Uh, black people were lumped together as one community, like I said. So yeah. now we have different tribes, right? That don't... Maybe some even don't even speak the same dialect are being grouped in one community in slavery, and that's how race was created to create the hierarchy that we see in social in, uh, social systems So today. red flag right there. First red flag. All Lumping right? everybody together as one community and now putting this label on us like we're the black race. And I, I always never under really understood what yeah. people meant by that, but now I get it. Like, we're technically all the human race. Leave it to us, though, yeah. to make that into a strength, though, because even though we still do have our differences inside of our own communities as black people, um, we do represent, like, a greater whole now yeah. that, I, that I, you know, things have kind of progressed a little bit. Um, so, they said it was harder for African slaves to run away and blend in. Right? Because, <laughs> so, the slaves that they already had looked like them. They were just poor white people or mm-hmm. poor Europeans. So now, if you have an African on your plantation, you're going to notice a man with a different stature, running over there. different skin. It's he not looks, funny, but... It's not funny, but that's, it was easier for us to, to be uh, you know, pointed out in the crowd. Um, so Prince Henry of Portugal's biography written by Gomez de Zorara is the first book to start perpetuating racist ideas. Yeah. Now, I may have learned this a while ago, but I forgot that how influential he specifically was in creating uh, racist stereotypes about black people because it truly trickled down through generations. And a lot of the things that he put in his book, we still see happening today. And I think Um, that, like you say, that goes to show even today, people can just make up whatever they want, put it in a book, put it on social media, you get other people to believe in you, and then that's how we have the Make America Great Again campaign. And and that just shows you how much of our society boils down to one, uh, you know, one person's idea and then being able to convince a nation or a, a village of people to follow and then teach the next generations that because something that he said was he was saving souls with slavery. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> because in this book, it was supposed to be, you know, encompassing everything about Prince Henry. And he didn't want his legacy to be that of a person who was raping women and, and capturing them from their homeland yeah. and taking them. So he tried to make it seem like, oh, I'm helping these people because I'm saving their souls and forcing them to lose their religion to practice uh, the king's religion or mm. whatever. Um, so it became a bestseller. Of course, red this, flag. <laughs> this book became a bestseller. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's just like we just said, people are so gullible, they'll just believe anything they read, they'll just go along with it. So for this book to become a bestseller back in the 1400s, that's a red flag to me because y'all just went along with whatever the prince said. And what it does, it allows a group of people who are like subservient to a king who may be poor, who may not, you know, have the things that the king has to say, you know what? 
I'm in the same class as the king because I'm a class above mm. those people. Yeah. And that's what we deal with today. Yeah. Like, even white people who may not be racist or have racist ideas, they still know I'm a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't break the law and as long as I can hold a good job down, like, I'll be better than black and brown people in this country. Yeah. And it comes from this fucking book. It all came from this one book. That's why I would kick his ass like, oh my gosh. Brother they, Ash is Yo, <laughs> like fuck him, bro. Like I got pulled over last week because of this fucking book. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So otherwise, they have to face their brutality as murderers yeah. and rapists. And no one wants to think of themselves that way. Especially if you call yourself a man or a woman of faith. Yeah. So that's where it becomes, you know, a part of their lifestyle. So I hope you guys are really understanding how, like, again, people weren't even thinking about, I'm black, you're white, I'm better than you, before all this came along. Somebody just came up with the idea and sold it to people. And you know what's crazy? I'm not going to get too deep in this, but black explorers and African explorers actually traveled um, at a very, very, like, unbelievable scope and and, and span way before Prince Henry was ever, Mm -hmm. ever a thing. And African scholars actually showed a lot of European cultures and civilizations civilization. Yeah. So to be flipped and then to say, oh, those people aren't even people. They're damn near animals is crazy to me. It's, like, it's, it's wild. so backwards. It really is. And so uh, piggybacking off of what a br- Brother Ash said, black people weren't the only enslaved people. Indentured servants were just a step above. And so let, now we're getting into the 1600s, 1700s. You know, we had the Middle Passage. Africans are in America now. And landowners were scared that we might band together with the indentured servants, which we did. Yeah, yeah. We did. We yep. are going to revolt. We are going to band together. I got a couple white boys I trust yeah. in the crisis. <laughs> and so, red flag right here, to, you know, put out any re- idea of a revolt or a revolution, they decided to write the laws of Virginia to give indentured servants a leg up on black people simply because they were white. So now you get a little bit more food or you get a little a place to live or you get freed earlier because you're white. And so, do you want to say something? What that did, though, was was so messed up because what were unions between the two different races? Right quickly became, oh, yeah, I used to fight and, you know, revolt with you, but I actually just got this land. Right. And now I can hire you to be my slave. So it's kind of like when we had that alliance, it just got obliterated that quickly because just of the color of your skin is ridiculous. And we see that today, like you said, when we have... This is a bad example, but I always think of, like, the mafia, like the Italians against the black people. And I'm like... Just so you know, we're all on the same team. Like, you're no better than me. Like, you used to be my ally back in the day. Yeah. And so, um, you know, this was really the beginning of the idea of whiteness as a privilege. So that's the whole big red flag with the indentured servants versus slaves. Red flag at white privilege, bro. Can you can you guys see why we're getting pissed off? Because this documentary <laughs> just proved how like white privilege is not a real yeah. thing. It's completely made up. You're no better off than me just because your skin is white. This is science. Too. Yeah, this isn't just two black people. Right. It's everything we're saying can be backed with science. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> basically in the documentary they were saying how whiteness keeps people from the bottom even when you're poor, and I think that's what we're seeing right now with the whole MAGA movement. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but I've even seen black men starting to support Trump. And I'm like, why? Don't you see this person is not for you? And they're like, well, he the one giving out money. Well, he free Kodak. Yeah, exactly. Fucking moron. <laughs> Trump needs his ass whipped too. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So things like that, like just making the the little guy or the poor person think like they're a little step above just because the white man likes them, which yeah. is ridiculous. And so this documentary just talked about how at the end of the day, it's all about controlling access to power. That's it. That's why they wanted to separate the us from the thems because they wanted the power. Power. And yeah. the people who actually benefit are a very small group of white elite going back to the, the Trumps and the Rockefellers and all them of the world. They might act like they care about you in Hicktown, USA, but in reality, they just want your vote, and they're the ones making money at the top at the end of the day. I think it was Deontay Wilder that said, to this day, <laughs> to this day, yeah, that 1% calling the shots. Exactly. So racism is real, but it has real ramifications because people buy into it. Mm. And so in the 1700s, White people are telling the story that even good art and higher thinking can't possibly be for black people. It's only for Europeans. Red flag on the play because all the best artists I know are black. So I don't know what you're talking let me, about. Let me tell y'all something about these fucking idiots. <laughs> they were so fucking stupid. They used to like take black skulls and put them next to like monkey skulls and try to draw comparisons yeah. and like indifferences. And completely ignore how a black skull and a white skull looks the same. I studied anthropology. Okay, I was gonna say (laughs) they look the same in the sense of they're the same species. Black people may have a different eye or eyebrow cavity or you know higher jaw lines, whatever. But there's no extra brain space or there's no extra you know way for a brain to be more you know your brain is not bigger than ours. There's no way, but I guess it was so archaic back then they didn't have the science to really look inside of a brain and see what's going on. But this. That's what we're learning today. Like, they wrote the history books. They wrote the anatomy books. They made us say whatever they wanted to they say. They didn't understand the truth, so they made up their own truth. Yes. And that's what we're dealing with today. So, enter an artist like Phyllis Wheatley, a poet, who was the first black woman to publish a book of poetry in North America. And that just shook up. Oh, they're shaking the table. Shook up any notion that Africans don't have intellect. And so what made me really sad in this documentary, they talked about, they had a whole, you know, animation of Phyllis Wheatley, a young teenage black girl sitting in front of a panel of all white men. And she had to prove to them that she was the author of these poems because they thought they were too well written to be hers. Red flag. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Who are you? Your simple ass sitting here grilling this woman. Who are you to tell me I didn't write these poems? You know how you know how intelligent you have to be to teach yourself a language, and then to teach yourself how to write a language. Yeah, and mind then, you, we ain't supposed to be reading or writing anyway. And then to eloquently display your emotions and your experiences with that language that you taught yourself. It's it's just sad. Just to have four clowns in front of you saying, well, uh, did you really write? No. Literal clowns. Because... I stole it from my master. Who the fuck you think wrote it? Like... <laughs> they literally did think that like a white person had to write this. And so that just goes to show how time and time again in history, black people have constantly have to prove ourselves just because the white man just can't believe it. And so ultimately they did believe it was her work, but they were saying in the documentary like, okay, if we concede that she wrote these poems. What else do we have to concede to? Mm-hmm. That's what they didn't want. That's that right. They didn't want to say, we could be poets, we could be artists, we could be chefs, we could be dancers, we could be senators. Now. Yeah, so white supremacy has been embedded in this country since its founding. We're talking, we're only at the 1700s right now. Mm-hmm. And that 
brings us to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes, Thomas Jefferson was full of shit because Thomas Jefferson, everybody has this idea like, oh, he's such a great guy, you know, third president of the United States. And... Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but Thomas Jefferson, on the one hand, he did oppose slavery, but on the other hand, he opposed abolition because he has 600 plus slaves himself. So yeah, yeah, slavery's bad, but I'm going to keep my slaves. And he had, apparently there was, a, he had a preferred slave that he would Yes. Uh, abuse a Sally lot Hemings. sexually, and um, it just makes you think about all the black people who you know whose last name is Jefferson. Yeah, could just be coming. Well, from... if we want to really get into it, beyond Jefferson, the Johnsons, Jenkins, the Smiths, all those the common names—those are white names. Look, I stopped calling yeah. the founding fathers founding fathers years ago. They ain't my father. They are the founding <laughs> masters of this nation. Yeah, all of them had slaves. So Thomas Jefferson, he was definitely one of those guys. And as Brother Ash said, the one particular slave that he constantly abused was Sally Hemings. He had many children from her. So look at your ancestry, y'all, because if you look like me, you might be related to Thomas Jefferson. Um, that's really sick, actually, to think that in one breath you're calling this human your property, but now you're breeding your property. Like you said, treating us like cattle. They're sick. Yeah. They, well, in, in some... We're not going to go down that road. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to... I was just going to get into, like, the documentary basically broke down all these stereotypes into, like, myth number one, myth number two, myth number three. Mm -hmm. First myth is the myth of black hypersexuality. Mm. You know how people be saying, like, black girls act fast or yeah. black girls be yeah. too sexy? It, that's not something that we put on ourselves. That's something that they put on us. And it's because they wanted to let white men off the hook for rape. That's it. Oh, she came on to me. What kind of what? Please tell me what kind of African slave is coming on to the white man who beats her and abuses her. Promise you. Come on, man. We, we not even gonna get into how black families were torn up through all of this. But that was myth number one: the black hypersexuality. And so there was another woman they talked about in the documentary. Had some really great animations of her, Harriet Jacobs. She was the first black woman to really write her own slave narrative. And she wrote about what black enslaved mothers had to go through. And so she got into the sexual abuse. And that yeah. was the first time people really read this. And they were shocked, like, whoa. I can't, I can't imagine they didn't know what was going on. Well, they knew what was going on. But blacks, this is why people um, like Harriet Jacobs are so pivotal to our story. Because they are responsible for telling these stories. Yeah. And without them telling these stories, historians and people today... Um, even storytellers of today, I think of people, you know, um, who who are some black, um, you know, female producers in Hollywood. There's so many, I can't even think of I one right now. I always think of like Ava DuVernay. Ava DuVernay, Issa. So it's kind of like the, we don't have these people now. If she doesn't tell her story, yeah. when, at the hardest time to tell your story. Yeah. So like, it's that's so it took important. So much courage. That is so. And important. mind you, I mean, I'm sure the black men they were prevalent too, but it's black women, yeah. the most vulnerable population at that time. It took so much courage for uh, Phyllis Wheatley and Harriet Jacobs and the like to tell their stories. So um, again, with Harriet Jacobs' book, people thought it was made up or possibly written by a white abolitionist because it was so tragic. It was that tragic. They couldn't even believe it. They thought it was a made-up story. I say this at my job all the time when crazy shit happens. I just be like, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> and it's just certain things like you can't make up. Like, nobody's sitting here making up the, the horrors of slavery yeah. and racism. Like, But when you're looking at it, if you're a white person with a decent and good heart and you're not evil and you're reading some of these passages, you, you do have to look and check yourself like, wow, do I benefit 
from this system? Yep. And more likely than not, the answer yep. is yes. So uh, we're going to fast forward to the 1800s, all right? White abolitionists did help in the fight against slavery, but they were also still problematic. You know those white people that, like... I have a black friend. Said they voted for <laughs> Obama, but, like, when uh, Bobby Smurder come, song come on, they have no problem saying hot nigga. These are those type of people. People who want to help because it makes them feel good, but they still don't respect the actual, yeah. you know, the actual pain and, and what it truly means to be an ally. Um, abolitionists thought slavery was morally wrong, but they still believed black people were not equal to them. Red flag, red flag. That's a huge red flag. How are you an abolitionist, but you still think you're better than me? So like, it's like, yeah, I'm going to help you get free, but when you get free... That part. And you try to come for my job? Yeah. Then we will be sending the lynch mob after your ass. That part. Uh, for example, Abraham Lincoln is known as the great emancipator. I remember as a kid, like, I always, like, had a special spot in my right. heart. Right. I Abraham think black Lincoln. people always thought Abraham Lincoln was, like, and with then us. I, I, I learned in my black experience class when I was in high school that I was privileged to have. Every black kid doesn't have yeah. classes like this. That Abraham Lincoln literally just freed the slaves because it was an economic move for the country for us to be a union and for us to not be fighting each other in the Civil War. Yeah. So that's what that was about. Um, so, so again, you talking about emancipation, but low-key still racist. Yeah. He, I mean, he had slaves as well. Yeah. So, so high-key racist. Yeah, so he still <laughs> wanted to have people uh, making money on his property. He wouldn't have to work. He could still rape women or have whatever he wanted. Because mm-hmm. when they, they seen this as property, so it wasn't even rape to them. It was, oh, I need to get a nut off. So let me just go sneak around the quarters for a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, he embodied that and he benefited from that system. Um, but the white savior is just the counterpart to white supremacy. Talk that about gives it. white people the power to save. So even as white abolitionists were helping, it's kind of like this weird psychological complex where it's like, oh, don't bite the hand that feeds you. You put so, us here, but now you're going to save us? Like, it's so messed up. So as as a black person, you fighting the power. You're fighting for your freedom. But, like, you don't want to upset your white abolitionists because yeah. they have this savior complex. And you know they could easily flip sides. Just like earlier when we talked about how, you know, some indentured servants were given land and given opportunities to be overseers. This was the same thing. Mm-hmm. I can be an abolitionist. But if the government or local government comes down on us and tries to, you know, militarize or, or fight against our movement, I'm switching sides. Yeah. Like, I'm getting out of here. And that's what white privilege is. So, remember, black people were the first abolitionists, and we freed ourselves. Snaps. Fuck the bullshit. Like, like yeah, don't think that y'all help. You, you, we may have had some white people help us along the way, but best believe we did 90% of the work. If we didn't teach ourselves how to read, how to understand this language, how to understand this government, nobody would have done it for us. And if you truly are ally for black people, you, not only will you not admit that, you will acknowledge the yeah. fact that we were the ones that really made this happen. And yeah. we also paved the way for a lot of other groups to achieve freedom in They this say got it well. out the mud. We really were the blueprint. Like, Honestly. we really did that. <laughs> so as soon as we were free, we built colleges, uh, became senators. We broke the myth of black inferiority. Yeah. Businesses are opening. We start to see the structure of the black family to be built up. Uh, they didn't talk a lot about, um, you know, the experience of black men, I felt like. Um, in this documentary, which I understand. Um, but there was a lot that went on in the household, you know, with slavery and stuff like that. So now we're starting to see this come back in yeah. our community. 
because um, this was something that was always a part of our community from Africa. So we were excellent on, on such a large scale in a short amount of time, and they couldn't handle it. Red flag. They say, y'all, oh, wait a second now, y'all getting too much dip on your chip now. Imagine, you know, being a sharecropper or whatever, not having slaves and, you know, um, now, you know, slaves are free and you see this black family, you know, opening up a business. They done saved up enough, enough money to, you know, open a market or something. And now you across the street from them looking at them, you like, damn. My I used to be better than them. My daddy's generation used to be whooping them. Yeah. And now it looked like they might be bringing in more crop than me or whatever they was doing. So um, white Americans would do anything to harness power at this point. So this is where we start to see the Ku Klux Klan Mm -hmm. gets formed. um, And they trying to confirm black inferiority through history. Yeah. So this is where we start to see like... This that part where you was talking about the comparing us to monkeys. Comparing us to monkeys. This is where they start to lean on literature again. Uh, where they, you know, they talked a lot about how black men were always raging and 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 just had this undying urge to rape white women, like yeah, crazy shit. Um, so for example, in 1860, Mississippi senator, uh, a Mississippi senator who went on to become the president of the Confederacy, uh, didn't want to fund black education, so he told the story about the land of Nod where animals and beasts were created before Adam and Eve, and guess who these beasts with darker skin were supposed to be? Black people. So there were images... There were literally images of, like, uh, what you would see as a monkey or a gorilla, but being told, like, this is a black man, this is where black people come from. This is 1860. This is just yet another white man from Mississippi who's like, hmm... How can I get them to hate black people? Let me make up history and tell them that they come from beasts created long before Adam and Eve. If you're a racist person listening to this, I feel like by now you definitely have, you know, stopped the episode. But I just (laughs) want to bring your attention to a quote that I heard during this documentary MLK said, once upon a time ago, somebody told a lie. Yeah. That was deep because all of this just stems from lies after lies and money and resources to fund these lies so that we can spread them and infect the minds of people. Yeah. So that's why they started the myth of the black criminal, a black man who always has the idea of raping women, like I said earlier. And then in the 1890s, lynching of black people increases uh, mm. for made-up crimes. Yeah. And it's just red like flag, red super red. This reminds me of uh, Hoves. Mm-hmm. the guy that cannot, I, I can fix that. You know, that guy where all he was was a handyman trying to help out and he fell in love with a white woman. They lynched him because the other drunkards in the town didn't like the fact that this stand-up guy caught the eye of a beautiful teacher. So we're going to go lynch him. Yeah, this takes me back to Emmett Till, all, Ahmaud Aubrey, all the different stories we've heard of black men just minding their business and then somebody made up a fake fake law that you done fake broke and now we get to hang you and when they talked about the lynching in the documentary the pictures it never it, it will never get easy to see so and it it just goes to show you that all of this was done just to hold us back like even when we went on vacation over christmas i wanted to go for a run we had my dog you know what i'm saying like it was in the poconos i'm like it'd be some nice incline get the quads burning but you know what i thought i thought of Ahmad aubrey and i said i don't want to be an unrecognized black man out here running. Yeah. So that's, I just went for a walk instead. And that's what we face <laughs> as black people that they don't even have to think about. And even on the walk, I'm like, 
Yeah. No, you know because you're like, right. We're on vacation. Somebody's going to look out their window like, who are these random two black people walking their dog? Yeah. Never seen them before. So, uh, Ida B. Wells emerged as someone who wasn't afraid to expose the outrageous lynchings by collecting data, and she used storytelling to get the word out. Yeah. So, again, like you said, people who were in the trenches could have lost their lives, but were reporting on it anyway to yep. make sure people knew. Um, and so, fast forward past Jim Crow, civil rights era, they really didn't talk about that in the documentary. They really just wanted us to learn like the foundation of racism and how it all started. And so, um, they did start to talk about the Reagan era, though. That's why I said at the top of the episode, we gotta throw Reagan in there, too, because he did so much damage to yeah, our community. Yeah. Reagan, his era was really the war on crime, and crime just became a code word for black or yep. race. So we're talking about the 1980s where black people are, uh, what do they call it, stop and frisk, mm -hmm. being stopped on the street, black men are being demasculated, you know, things like that, because they're calling us criminals and people believe it. So we have this perpetuated in commercials, film, TV, news, all of these things reinforce those stereotypes. And audiences are trained to normalize it. I'm yep. sorry, but even me, even I used to be a, a viewer of Love and Hip Hop and seeing the Jezebel character portrayed on TV, and yeah. I'm feeding into it. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, somebody just created this character for black women. And I don't really like how that makes me feel. That's what's so fucked up about this society. Black people, man, we so... Like, we're so fucked each and every way because, like, on one side, you want your identity and your independence to be able to, uh, you know, just to express however you may feel and however you want to express that. But on the other side, like, I constantly feel like, oh, I can't, you know, I got to rap a certain way. I got to talk a certain way because I don't want them to think that I am what they think I yeah. am. But at the same time, I just want to be myself. So it's like, it's just, it's weird because now we are at a point where we don't know what to do. We don't even know who we are sometimes. <laughs> are we the image they fed us about ourselves or are, I'm, I'm too far removed from my African tribe, like you said, the kings and queens and wealth and stuff, but I still hold those, those roots. So it's, it's definitely hard being black in America, especially when you have all these stereotypes looking on you. And so um, they said that in the documentary, 1980s, they're pushing crime. Black people are the criminals. Even, I think, Nancy Reagan was calling us beasts or whatever. Uh -huh. And so they were saying how black people are not any more violent than anyone no, else. No, there's nothing that has ever been scientifically proven to show that there is more aggression in the in the medulla yeah. oblongata of black people. Like, <laughs> nothing, nothing. There's no, no facts to support yeah, that. Yeah, but the, the problem is we go back to that white privilege. A white person could say, I shot him in self-defense. And how many times have we heard that? I was in fear of me and my fellow officers' lives. Imagine being a cop trained to protect people and how to, you know, protect the community. But you're scared of a little boy and with a toy gun. Of, you're afraid of a teenage black boy. Yeah. What type of fucking coward are you? So I'm glad you brought up the, the police because in the documentary they talked about how all of these systems, policing, prison, mass incarceration, all of that is to send us, black people, a message to stay in your place. Absolutely. Red flag. Absolutely. I'm not going to stay in my place, boo. If you look, what is it? The uh, Which amendment is it? Is it the 13th? Oh, yeah, the 13th. There's a documentary called 13th. That it talks about, it might not be the 13th, but it's the amendment that talks about how when you're incarcerated in this country, you are property. Yeah. Like, you literally become property of the state. Mm -hmm. And especially in these private institutions, you get cheap labor. Ban private prisons. I'm telling y'all, this is, stay out of jail. 
Yeah. This is that's the closest way to become a slave. So in the documentary, they just talked about how like every step of progress that we get. I, I love how you brought up like we got our first black president, Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how much shit we've had to go through since Obama? That yeah. ship has sailed. I'm sorry, but it's like for every step of progress we have, it's a tidal wave that's pushing us back. And they talked about that too. Like every time, like if it was Obama, that was a great eight years, and then we got the Trump shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we we had high power, we was feeling revolutionized in the 60s and stuff. And then that's when Reagan you know, era. the drugs yeah. and the Reagan era came shortly after that. So um, even you brought up Trump again and his whole thing was like law and order candidate. Law and order of who? Of what? Like... You need to be policing these MAGA motherfuckers yeah, and these Karens. Exactly. Order that. So, you know, it's kind of just like the work is never done. We're constantly having to prove ourselves, constantly having to assimilate when other people don't have to. And they said even, you know, we got our freedom. That's great. I'm happy to be free in America. Well, what's free? <laughs> but... It's like the work was never done to help previously enslaved people become truly free. We never got those reparations. They said, all right, y'all free now. Where are we going to go? Where's my acres? Where's my mule? Like, we, we didn't know what to do, where to go. It's amazing that our ancestors were able to pull them up by, by the bush bootstraps yeah. and do what they had to do. It's amazing that we are sitting here today doing this podcast. And so, again, black people were just oppressed Simply for white people to maintain their power. That's still what they're trying to do today. Because um, I promise you, after Obama, we probably ain't going to never get to see another black president. And I'm not hopeful on a woman president either. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to, to be the Debbie Downer here. But, you know, it just goes to show that white people will do anything at all costs to maintain that power. They said in the documentary, the heartbeat of racism is denial. Facts. Denial. They, Facts. All they have to do is just say, um, we're no longer going to teach black history in schools because that didn't happen. We're Denial, denial, denial. Um, and so at the end of the documentary, they said that people should be thinking about what we gain from an anti-racist society because white people just seem to think about what they're going to lose. Yeah. Oh my God, if we become inclusive, what I'm going to lose my... You're not going to lose anything. I promise you, Karen, I don't want anything that you have. Absolutely not. You I'm just trying to build keep, my own. Keep all of your shit. I, yeah, I'm not trying to steal nothing yeah. from you. There's yeah. nothing to steal. I promise you. Keep we got it. the culture. We got the clout. We'll take it from you here. You can have the apple pies. <laughs> you can have... You can have baseball. I don't, I don't want any shit. of that stuff. I don't give a shit. <laughs> keep all that shit. And so, at the, they started the documentary with like, what's wrong with black people? It was clearly a rhetorical question because the answer is nothing. You know what's wrong with black people? We are in enemy territory. Mm, if yeah. there's anything wrong with us, we, we are enemy territory. That's it. We're in the wrong place. That's it. And we weren't asked to be here. So anybody screaming, go back to Africa? Gladly, please, pay for it. Look, Please, man, let me at, go back. At this point, like, I'm just... After watching this documentary, it got me all fired up yeah. because it's just another reminder of you know, the climate of what's going on. This is an election year, so it's about to be a whole lot of bullshit. So if you take nothing else from this episode, just remember who you are. Um, I know I say, like, it's hard to, you know, should I do this or should I satisfy this norm or satisfy that norm or be myself? Do your research. Because what we'll find is, as a people, we may have been displaced, but a lot of the things that come from our culture are embedded in our DNA. Yeah. So once we do that research and we are firm in who we are and firm in our community, 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 that's what's so important. We have yes. to stay together. And that's what this documentary was for me. So even if you're not black listening to this episode, still watch this documentary mm-hmm. because it applies to everything we go through when it comes to uh, a group of people 
wanting more and being denied by the government around them. Yes. And it goes on all over the world. So Yes. Uh, so let's get to these watchy wars. I uh, got one. Yeah, let me get yours first. My watchy award goes to the whole Ida B. Wells sequence that they had in the documentary. I loved how they kind of combined like this painting watercolor effect with like animation because obviously we don't know what Ida B. Wells looked like. We got that one picture. So they had an actor kind of like portray her and just again hearing how she said, wait a second, it's a lot of lynchings going on. And what are they getting lynched for exactly? For stealing an apple? For, yeah. you know, petty crimes? So she really did a whole tour of the South and was collecting numbers from communities. Like you said, mm-hmm. going into her community and talking to people and doing the dirty work. And then for her to publish those numbers, to publish a book and share that information, sis was really putting her life on the line. But that's a storyteller right there. And I don't do podcasting for fun. I do it because I love storytelling. And this is how we're going to spread our history. So Ida B. Wells, she did that. My Watchy Award is going to go to the black entrepreneurs. Um, they talked about some during this documentary. Um, and I just think, you know, we're two entrepreneurs ourselves. Just, like, being able to start a business and, like, being able to, like, build some type of wealth for yourself, even though a lot of it was destroyed, um, I just thought was extremely remarkable during those times. Yeah. Um, they even said, I think um, Ida B. Wells said, a, a man that was lynched in her community, which kind of sparked her. Um, you know, research to go around and, and check communities was a, a good guy. Yeah. He just owned a store and, you know, people got jealous of him and he ended up getting lynched. So I just want to give my Watchy Award to those brave black families and black uh, people who were freed and went out there and pursued, you know, business and leverage in this country. So Yes, amen to that. Yeah. And uh, don't forget our poll reminder. Uh, this is our poll reminder, excuse me. Uh, which racist deserves the biggest ass whooping? You already know where I stand, Prince Henry. Where you at? I gotta give it to Thomas Jefferson because yeah. you really ain't shit for having slaves and having all these biracial babies all over the country. And yeah, I just can't believe it. Like, what if Prince Henry just like? What if I could go back in time and beat his ass? Like, imagine if right he, before yeah. he start writing the exactly. book, exactly. Like, what oh, if you could put stop- that motherfucking feather down right now. <laughs> It, it was probably a feather. <laughs> and then just get the wailing on yeah, his ass. Yeah, so I just want to say F racist. Then he um, really would write a book of <laughs> Yeah, and for the record, anti it, the only way to not be racist is to be anti-racist. Yeah. You can't just say I'm not racist. You have to be anti-racist. So yeah. remember that. Yeah. And uh So don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, rate, and review. Comment if you're watching us on YouTube. We love the YouTube community that we're building and the TikTok community. Well, yes. can't wait to interact with you guys some more on those platforms. So follow us on TikTok at watch.worthypod and on Instagram at watchworthypod. And you can just look us up on YouTube as the Watchworthy Podcast. We'll pop right up. So make sure you subscribe, like, and share with a friend. Peace.